This is Gulf Coast Life. I'm Mike Canary. Thanks for joining us. Today is Gopher Tortoise Day, as designated by the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission and the nonprofit Gopher Tortoise Council. So today we're going to have a conversation about the importance of these large, long-lived reptiles that can be found in all of Florida's 67 counties. The Gopher Tortoise is one of five species of tortoises found in North America, and they're the only tortoise naturally found east of the Mississippi River. The Gopher Tortoise's range includes southeastern Louisiana east to southern South Carolina and south into Florida. They are listed as threatened here in Florida, but their Florida population is not federally protected under the Endangered Species Act, though gopher tortoises are federally protected in the portion of their range in some parts of western Alabama. These large, slow-moving reptiles are crucial to ecosystems because of the deep burrows they dig and live in. More than 350 other species take advantage of those burrows for shelter. Their main threats are cars while trying to cross roads and development that occurs on the land where they live. To learn more about these fascinating creatures on Gopher Tortoise Day, I spoke on Friday with two people who work to protect them or to heal them if they're hurt. Let's hear that conversation now. Dr. Nora Demers is an associate professor of biology at Florida Gulf Coast University and a member of the nonprofit Gopher Tortoise Council. Dr. Demers, thanks for being here today. Thank you. And joining us remotely from her office in Naples is Joanna Fitzgerald. She's director of the Von Arks Wildlife Hospital at the Conservancy of Southwest Florida. Joanna, thanks for being with us today as well. Thank you. And so, Nora, for starters, tell us about the Gopher Tortoise Council, because I was unaware of it until a few hours ago. Oh, well, great. Gopher Tortoise Council is a group of scientists, uh, agency people, educators that started meeting about 43 years ago to bring together people that were interested in gopher tortoises, so primarily Florida, South Carolina, Georgia, Alabama area. And they have annual meetings. They look at not just gopher tortoises, but the habitat that they inhabit, which is primarily uplands, sandhills, that sort of thing. We have annual meetings, and a number of years ago, the Florida FWC started an initiative of Gopher Tortoise Day for April 10 of each year. How long have you been involved with it, and what draws you to gopher tortoises? It seems like you must be drawn to them if you're a member of the council. Yeah, so I didn't know about gopher tortoises until I got to FGCU in 1997 when the university opened. And quite a few people in the community reached out to the new faculty here with interests and concerns that they had. And one of the first and most often that I heard was about the plight of the gopher tortoise. So the gopher tortoise is like the same habitat that humans do. And so they're in competition with us for it. And they have continued to lose um, habitat, upland habitat, um, because that's the only place the humans can build. And so we are their primary um, cause of death and loss of habitat. So in addition to losing habitat, they end up in places and get killed by roads, you know, get killed by the cars on roads and stuff. So that's how I started in 97. Most of the interactions that I've had have been with, um, I think, probably the Cape Coral Friends of Wildlife. Carl Vo may have been one of the first people that reached out to me. 
Um, I've also been working with uh, Collier County Parks at Barefoot Beach Preserve quite a bit, and I work with Becky Spear at Naples Preserve in the city of Naples. Are you marking Gopher Tortoise Day somehow other than being on this radio show? A number of years ago, I had several students that went to elected officials, the county commissioners, the city of Naples, and that sort of thing, and had proclamations for Gopher Tortoise Day. I've been working with people at the Gopher Tortoise Council, making more educational products available, coloring books and tools to bring into the K-12 classrooms to teach people about gopher tortoises. So let me just get this straight for our listeners. Gopher tortoises are listed as threatened here in Florida, but they are not protected by the Endangered Species Act. At least the ones that live in Florida aren't. There are some. Can you flesh that out? So there's this Tom Bigby River up around Alabama. And so the gopher tortoises are listed as federally threatened to the west of the Tom Bigby River. A couple of years ago, the Gopher Tortoise Council submitted a request for them to be federally listed. And at our last Gopher Tortoise Council in November of last year, we got a report from the EPA people about why that failed. And it sounds like the reasoning was that the Gopher Tortoise Council was trying to get the entire population of gopher tortoises listed as endangered or threatened, where the success for the other one with east of the Tom Bigby River was identifying, you know, a locate a subpopulation. Hmm. So I imagine that there's going to be efforts in the future from the Gopher Tortoise Council to kind of carve out areas and say, there's a problem here. There I understood. Whatever. We might talk about that, uh, that a little bit more later, but I want to bring Joanna Fitzgerald into the conversation now. Uh, Joanna, for starters, how often do gopher tortoises wind up at the Von Arks Wildlife Hospital? Well, typically we have at least one, if not two, admitted almost weekly. It's, it's a significant amount of admissions, um, particularly since Hurricane Ian, those few months right after the storm, we had a, a significant influx that we had never, ever experienced before. And we are still caring for a lot of those tortoises, even though it's close to, I, th- I think, at least six months after the event. So tortoises have always been an admission for us. They're like Nora mentioned, it's particularly difficult because so much of their habitat is being destroyed. And by permit, we need to take these animals back where they're found or they are listed as a waif. And so just the the constant trying to get healthy animals back to the environment where they were found is very, very difficult for us. And obviously for the tortoises that, that can't make their way back to where they were found and have to be considered waifs. Uh, waif, what were, uh, that's a new word for me in this context. What, how do you spell that and what is it? I mean, I guess I know what it means by context, but flesh that out. So a waif, W-A-I-F, um, basically it's displaced. It can't go back to the, to where it was found. I don't know if Nora has a more, um, scientific definition for that. Um, but if, if we can't get it within the, the designated space where it was found, then we need to work with FWC and those tortoises are usually relocated to a recipient site, um, you know, since they can't go back where they they were found. Interesting. The gopher tortoise waifs are gopher tortoises without a home, effectively. Yeah. Huh. What kind of injuries or illnesses are you typically treating them for at the hospital? Most common are hit by car, and then also dog attacks are pretty common as well. Um, Since the hurricane 
that brought in a whole different uh, type of admission issue. Um, these tortoises were displaced. Many of them had obviously been affected by the high waters. Um, that they didn't drown is amazing, but then all the residual effects from that. But most common, it is um, hit by car, you know, loss of habitat and dog attacks. So you are saying, I guess, um, that there are some gopher tortoises who lived in areas that were completely inundated and yet still didn't drown? Correct. Wow, that's, Amazingly, that's surprising. Yes. I, I assumed that if they were underwater, I guess they can hold their breath. Well, they float to a degree, you know, um, doesn't mean they're going to be able to stay afloat for long. I don't, obviously, I can't explain how some of them didn't just die like so many were. Um, did It did happen with so many of them from what we hear, you know, along the different locations from Key Marco all the way up to, to Barefoot Beach. That's mostly the areas where we would get calls from. Um, but, you know, we had condo owners who found them in their garages, you know, um, they were just washed into areas where they are not ever found. Um, so, you know, the, the waters really carried a lot of these creatures around and somehow, like I said, I don't know exactly how, but that they didn't drown. Many of them did take in water. Um, some had issues after that, um, there was no vegetation. So even if they were still somehow on the beach where, um, they had previously been found, there, there just was nothing out there for them to eat. Then we started cleaning up the beaches, so heavy machinery was an issue. So it's just this cascading effect just from when the storm hit and then everything after that. Nora, you're going to weigh in about uh, the water and gopher tortoises, I believe. Yeah, fun fact that I found quite interesting was that they can do oxygen exchange around their anus. Hmm. And so it's not uncommon for them during a heavy rain to maybe be in their burrow and for it to fill with water. And they can spend, I don't know how long, but they can spend some time underwater and have the oxygen exchange through their skin. So that's part of it. Um, but obviously they can swim, but too many people try to put them out to sea like they're sea turtles. Um, but they have been known to swim from Barefoot Beach Preserve over to... Uh, Wiggins Pass. Which explains, I was going to ask, how do turtles wind up, or tortoises, wind up on barrier islands, and it's not they're going over the bridge, although I suppose that could theoretically happen, but they're swimming. Or they were populations that had been there They've for been a They've been there since there was a yeah. land bridge. Yeah. Wow. Huh. You mentioned earlier that, and you, you phrased it very carefully, you didn't say that humans are who kill the most gopher tortoises, but gopher tortoises die because of humans. And can you just explain why? That's basically because of development, right? Yes. So up until maybe in 2009, the FWC provided a take permit. And so the take permit meant that you could simply entomb the tortoise. So if you went into an area that you were going to develop into commercial or residential area, the first thing people do is just knock down all the trees, get rid of all the vegetation. And so they would entomb gopher tortoises and they, you know, any gopher tortoises that were there um, they were died. not. They were not an issue that the developers had to deal with. Correct. And that well, was up until 2009? I think 2009, the FWC, at the urging of the Gopher Tortoise Council and other entities um, made it so that you had to do relocation and unless you were grandfathered into the take permit. And so with that relocation, they have identified different areas that are um, 
mitigation site. So Hickey's Creek here in Lee County is a gopher tortoise mitigation site, a good bit of habitat set aside from our Conservation 2020 program that can accept some relocated gophers from county lands. Governor DeSantis, a year or so ago, there was there's difficulty getting enough relocation sites, especially in Southwest Florida, because we're developing so much. Um, and the original plans or the original criteria for relocation by the FWC was that they needed to stay within a certain distance north and south. It's because, like 100 miles, yeah, I think. That's I what read. I thought, yeah. But a number, a couple of years ago, there was a change to that criteria so that they could be moved further away. To give them more flexibility, presumably. Yeah. Um, how many go like what what is the population density like how many gopher tortoises can you put out around Hickey Creek before there's just too many for them to survive roughly so do they, they take a, do they take large tracts of lands like panthers or can they live in close proximity I guess is the question I think there's lots of different ways to answer all those questions okay. so FWC has criteria of I think it might be four gopher tortoises per acre. If you're trying to conserve them as a viable population that could exist into the future, however, um, um, Kyle, Cape Coral Friends of Wildlife has been purchasing individual home lots for the past several years to set um, so that the gopher tortoises and the burrowing owls can stay where they are. Uh, that's often. I'd like to see that increased. Areas where there's a lot of development, you'll end up with a lot of these gopher tortoises going to the empty lot or two that's left. And it'd be neat if we could put those into conservation instead of, you know, if somebody bought that, they'd have to pay a lot of money for the relocation of all of those gopher tortoises. Naples Preserve is nine point something acres. And there's over 100 gopher tortoises there that Becky Spears has been monitoring um, for a decade or more. That's obviously way too many for, for, you know, it's above the carrying capacity of that, but they're all there. And I'm working with her on, you know, research to see how things are going there. So the question of what's good for them and at a population level is very different than how they're able to survive as kind of, I don't know what the right word is for animals that are in hospitals and stuff, how they're ambassadors. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, we have a lot of development in Florida. There are a lot of gopher tortoises. There's a lot of relocations happening. There's practically an industry for that now, right? Like if, you, if you're a developer and you go into a place that we've driven by for years that's got trees, part of that process is finding gopher tortoises, getting permits, hiring somebody, that whole thing, right? Absolutely. Most of the engineering consulting companies in the area, they do um, – monitoring they go out and check the land and find out what kind of animals there are that are there that are protected and act accordingly i'd like to take a moment to reintroduce my guests dr nora demers is an associate professor of biology at florida gulf coast university and a member of the gopher tortoise council and joanna fitzgerald is director of the von arks wildlife hospital at the conservancy of southwest florida in naples we're talking about gopher tortoises and the role they play in our ecosystems and the threats they face Monday, April 10th is Gopher Tortoise Day, as designated by the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission back in 2017. If you'd like to engage with the show about today's topic, just find us on Facebook or on Twitter. Joanna, let me bring you back in now. Let's get some basics on gopher tortoises. Can you explain to our listeners why this tortoise, this reptile with a shell in Florida, is so important to our ecosystems? 
Well, they are um, a keystone species. So the, the burrows that they create are used by a whole host of other species. So in that respect, they're very, very important to the environment. You know, they are our, our one true land tortoise here in this area. And as with most reptiles, particularly turtles and tortoises, just the amount of Oh, I don't know, the threats to their existence are so vast, uh, you know, just every road, you know, the constant construction. So I think to me, they're also just a bit of an underdog and, and they need our help or their populations are going to continue to diminish and, and that would be a terrible loss. Um, so those are some of the main reasons <laughs> I think they're super important. You know, their, their burrows I've read are used by, you know, more than 300 species, yeah. estimated to be like 360 species, um, which I learned are called commensals. That was my mm -hmm. word of the day besides turtle waifs. Um, <laughs> Uh, if there was to be a population crash of gopher tortoises, it would seem likely there would be major ripple effects. Is that correct? That's correct. You know, most of the burrows stay in existence even you know the tortoises move around they'll have a burrow and then they'll move on to a different burrow and maybe come back to that one a few months later so there's a constant shifting in some of these populations of which are active and inactive so to some degree some of those burrows would still be able to be used but eventually you know without upkeep you know they can cave in and and things like that so it would create just a different landscape if the tortoises are no longer there and their burrows are no longer available to other species to use. How long do they live and about how big do they get? Oh gosh, um, I am not 100% sure of, you know, the oldest recorded gopher tortoise. We've had tortoises come in that are, are well over 25 pounds. So they're just significant. And when you think of how long it took them to get to that size, but I honestly do not know how long they can live. They are very long lived. I think if they don't have any of these threats, um, you know, that we've talked about the, the human, you know, related causes to their existence, you know, we've seen some just absolutely gorgeous tortoises from Keywaden Island since the hurricane. And basically they're out on the island without a lot of threats. And we've just seen how big and beautiful these creatures can get when they're safe from some of these threats. Nora, about how long, you know, what would be a geriatric gopher tortoise from your understanding? It's my understanding, they can live easily without human threat at least 50 to 60 years. There's two at the Everglades Wonder Garden that have been in the enclosure there since 1972, I believe. Um, and the other thing I wanted to say is those burrows and the 350 commensals, as a wire, wildfire comes across a landscape, a lot of critters run into those burrows and are protected in that time that the fire's going across the landscape and, you know, saves them all from, from getting burnt. <laughs> and then they can come out and things get back to a nice, beautiful habitat for the gophers and the other animals in that system. Uh, land for gopher tortoises, if you're managing it for the gopher tortoises, you should probably be burning it every three to five years. What should someone do if they walk out their backyard like I did two years ago and see a gopher tortoise walking across? They should not disturb it, correct? If the gopher tortoise is in harm's way, like if it's on the road, then you should bring it in the direction it was headed to the other side of the road. If the gopher tortoise is in your yard or somebody else's yard, I think you should say, hey, aren't I fortunate? 
and try to do everything you can to make sure that it can stay happy and healthy there, which is just giving it space. You don't have to give it any extra food. Ideally, you would have, instead of a monoculture of grass, have, you know, what some people call weeds and just all sorts of native plants. Which is exactly what I have. There you go. Um, and well, I, and just go so ahead, you know, go ahead, also, um, FWC does have on their website a way to enhance your yard to promote the gopher tortoise if you have one on your property, um, you know, trying to remove exotics, maybe planting different species that definitely the gopher tortoises like to forage on. So there is some good information. If you have it in your yard, if you have um, a tortoise or two in your yard, just having the the kindness to coexist is the first step. But then there are ways to enhance your property if, if that's an interest to people. I just found it so interesting because I'd lived in my house for over 10 years and I have a big yard, and I'd never seen one. And then what I did is I Googled, and FWC has an app that allows you to take a picture of it, and then I guess that gets added to their database of where turtles are. So it's kind of like a citizen science thing, right? Exactly. Hmm. And it's Citizen Science Month. Oh, it is Citizen Science Month, too? Well, we're hitting two marks with one stone here today. Uh, Joanna, before I uh, close out the show today, can you just talk a little bit about, you know, the influx of animals you surely got after Hurricane Ian besides gopher tortoises. Well, yeah, we it's it's been a busy time, um, especially the first you know month or so right after Hurricane Ian. We we got every species that you you could list. Um, a lot of the coastal birds were affected, you know, so pelicans, cormorants, gulls, terns, all of those were seeing some of the effects from the storm. Then there was also just a lot of the the, the habitat loss, um, you know, from certain plants dying, trees being affected, possibly from the saltwater intrusion to, to where a lot of yards and things were, were quite sparse. So some of the songbirds, the rabbits, you know, so it's, it was felt throughout many species of wildlife that we got the, the admissions. So we also were able to help the center on Sanibel saw obviously significant damage. And so for a time we were able to help with some of their admissions to, to get them to our facility. Um, now that they're back on the Island, the most that they really need help with is some of the animals for that need the outside recovery time since their outside enclosures aren't fully functional yet. So we're still working with them. So not only did we see the, some of the species from our area, but trying to help our neighbors, um, you know, so the wildlife up North, as well had um, some resources to to be rehabbed as well. Hmm. Uh, We're pretty much out of time, Nora, but would you like to add any final thoughts about gopher tortoises? We're fortunate they're charismatic megafauna. People look at them and say, oh, isn't that cool, as opposed to people's responses to some other animals. Um, And I think the more neighbors and residents can identify even small little parcels of land that maybe we could just set aside like they're doing in Cape Coral. It might not preserve the entire population, but it will give those that are here a home to enjoy as much as we do. All right. Well, I want to thank my guests. Dr. Nora Demers is an associate professor of biology at Florida Gulf Coast University and a member of the Gopher Tortoise Council. Nora, thank you so much for coming by the studio and for helping to set this up. Thank you, Mike Canary. And Joanna Fitzgerald is director of the Von Arks Wildlife Hospital at the Conservancy of Southwest Florida. Joanna, thank you so much for spending some time with us today as well. Thank you so much for covering the tortoises. They need all the help they can get. So thank you. 
If you missed any of the show today, you can hear episodes in their entirety on our website, wgcu.org GCL, or wherever you find podcasts. On our website, you can also see a photo of the gopher tortoise I found walking across my backyard in 2018. Our show today was produced by yours truly. Our director today is Jared Gonzalez. Our social media coordinator is Tara Calligan. For now, thanks for listening. I'm Mike Canary. This is WGCU-FM, Fort Myers 90.1, WMKO Marco Island 91.7 FM, NPR for Southwest Florida. Thank you.